Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. Many people know something of the Exodus story in the Bible. The story about how God delivered the Israelites from slavery by visiting Egypt with ten formidable plagues, the last of which was the death of the firstborn of all those who refused to obey the Lord's instructions. You see, God told the Israelites to slay a lamb, a perfect lamb, and to put the blood on the lintel and side posts of the door of their houses. God told them that when he saw the blood, he would pass over them, meaning that they would be protected from the last terrible plague. Of course, this lamb was a picture of the Lamb of God who was to come in the New Testament writings, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. John the Baptist cried out, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, yes, this perfect spotless one who shed his blood to bring deliverance to all who believe in him. Join us as evangelist Mr. Stephen Harper looks at this marvelous story in more detail. Exodus chapter 12, and we'll read from verse number 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month, They shall take to them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish. A meal of the first year ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and ye shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door post of the houses, wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire, his head, with his legs, and with the pertinence thereof. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. And that which remaineth of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire. And thus shall ye eat of it, with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment, I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Kevin Carter was still a relatively young man when in April 1994 he won the Pulitzer Prize for what was to become an iconic photograph depicting the horror of the famine 
in Sudan. The picture shows an emaciated little Sudanese boy in the foreground, and in the background is a vulture. And it appears to suggest that the vulture is just waiting for the little boy to die. Carter explained how that he waited for almost 20 minutes to get the shot, and after having got the shot, he chased the bird away, boarded his plane, and left, not knowing what became of the little boy. Three months after winning the Pulitzer Prize, he connected a hose to the exhaust pipe of his car, and his suicide note read, I'm really, really sorry. The pain of life overrides the joy to the point that joy does not exist. I am depressed. I am haunted by the vivid memories of killings and corpses and anger and pain, of starving or wounded children, of trigger-happy madmen, of killer executioners. The anguish of someone who was just a bystander and either couldn't or wouldn't intervene. But you know, God was not just a bystander. As he looked down from heaven and saw the pain of his people Israel, he said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows and am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. He saw their affliction. He heard their cries. In his heart, he knew their sorrows. And God was not just a bystander. He came down to deliver them. And so what we've read this evening from Exodus chapter 12 is just a little of the story of how God delivered his people from the tyranny, from the bondage, from the awful cruelty that they experienced in Egypt. And I want to think with you, first of all, about the promise of a new start. God says, this month will be unto you the beginning of months. It's going to be as if life is going to start all over again. I'm going to reset the clock. I'm going to reset the calendar. This is going to be a brand new start. Am I speaking to someone in the meeting this evening? And you just long for a new start. You'd long to be able to reset the calendar, the timepiece of your life. You'd love to be able to zero it and begin all over again. I want to tell you this evening, just as the Lord promised his people, he promises you, I will give you a new start. I will destroy your oppression. I will deliver you into plenty. Does that sound attractive to you this evening? God says, I'm ready to break the oppression. I'm ready to break the bondage. I'm ready to bring you into the enjoyment of plenty that you never, ever even thought was imaginable. Sometimes life is very oppressive, is it not? And we've spoken before in these meetings how that there are many. They begin to dabble with things when they're young that seem attractive, they seem pleasant, they have a certain allure, they have a certain attraction, and they get drawn into things. The trouble is that before they're finished, they discover that the very thing that they once played with has brought them into bondage, the bondage of death. Am I speaking to someone that's enslaved this evening? Am I speaking to someone who would love to have the power over sin, but you just don't 
have it and it's destroying you. Let me sound a word of caution to the younger ones who perhaps don't yet know what I'm speaking about. If you don't come to Christ and find him as your saviour, through time, I must warn you, through time, if you don't yet know what I'm talking about, sadly, time will teach you that what I'm saying is true. And so there's a promise of a new start. Does that sound attractive to you this evening? I'm here to promise you that there is a new start in life. In fact, there's more than that. Someone has said the gospel's not just about a new start in life, but it's about a new life to start with. Isn't that good? It's about new life to start with. And you could have new life this evening. Life in Christ. There's no life like it. There's nothing like being saved. The only regret anyone ever has as far as salvation is concerned, that is anyone who has been saved, the only regret I've ever heard expressed is this. I regret not getting saved sooner. That's the only regret I've ever heard expressed. I was just noticing this morning as I was thinking about these verses and thinking about what I would speak to you this evening concerning this Passover story, I was just thinking that after the Lord promises a new start, the very first thing that he goes on to explain is about the lamb. He speaks to them about the provision of the lamb. Of course, the lamb is a lovely picture, a lovely prophetic portrait of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, the Apostle Paul speaks about Christ, our Passover, being sacrificed for us. The Passover lamb speaks to us about the Lord Jesus. And that's the first thing our attention is drawn to in Exodus chapter 12. First of all, the lamb was selected. And as Moses is telling the people about the selection of this lamb, according to the word of God, he says, make sure you get a spotless lamb. It's to be without blemish. And then make sure you get a lamb. It will be a meal of the first year. That doesn't tell us only about its spotlessness, but that tells us about its liveliness. It's going to be a young, vigorous lamb. And then he says, take it from the sheep or from the goats. That would tell us about its meekness and its tenderness. And all of these things together, as I've said, are a wonderful portrait of the Lord Jesus Christ, the spotless Lamb of God, the one who never sinned, the one who could not sin, the one who said, the prince of this world, speaking about the devil, the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. He has tempted me, he has tried me, but the Lord Jesus never ever sinned. He was completely spotless and he was a young vigorous man when he died. It wasn't as if the Lord Jesus somehow died of old age or weakness, but it was in the prime of life that he was sacrificed. And of course, you know that he was a meek and lowly savior, a beautiful specimen, a perfect specimen of humanity. He was the one who was selected. He was the one who, like the lamb, was scrutinized for three and a half years or more. They watched the Lord Jesus, and there was never any fault in him, but he was the one who was not only selected and scrutinized, he was the one who was sacrificed. 
he was sacrificed. And this little lamb that was kept from the 10th day to the 14th day, it was sacrificed, a picture, a pen portrait of what would happen to the Lord Jesus so that you and I could experience this new life to start with. The promise of the new beginning depended upon the provision of the lamb. I was thinking today about the execution of the sacrifice. Its blood was shed. I wondered what that evening would have been like, the 14th, the evening of the 14th day of the month, when across the whole of the land of Egypt, or at least in that area known as Goshen, where the people of God were, where the Israelites were, I wondered what it was like on the evening of the 14th day when every little family would take the little lamb that they had been watching for the last few days and simultaneously across the land, blood would be shed. And not only would blood be shed, but the body of that little lamb would be roast. And of course that reminds us, it's just a picture, but it reminds us of the Lord Jesus and his sacrifice. Because the Bible tells us without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness for sins. And upon the cross, the Lord Jesus, his blood was shed. And upon the cross, metaphorically, he experienced the roasting of the fires of the judgment of God. From above, says he, thou hast sent fire into my bones and it has prevailed against me. The Lord Jesus suffered sacrificially for you and for me. And without the shedding of his blood and without the sufferings that were his upon the cross, there is no gospel and there is no salvation. There is no forgiveness. There is no new start. There is no freedom. It all depends upon the execution of the sacrifice. I was thinking about the efficacy of the sacrifice. Now that's a word that just means the way the sacrifice works. How useful it was. And you know that the blood was applied on the doorposts, the side door posts and the upper door post on the frame of the door. It was applied there for their safety. And I was thinking too about the enjoyment of the sacrifice because the flesh of that lamb was eaten for their satisfaction. Safety and satisfaction together in that little lamb. And I want to tell you this evening, dear friends, that the blood, the blood still provides safety. All the safety that you need is in the blood, the blood of the Lord Jesus. And all the satisfaction that you need is in him too. And there are quite a few of us here this evening. And we love the Lord Jesus. And we feast upon him. And he is the satisfaction that our souls crave for. And that we need. And we rejoice in him this evening. The Lamb of God, our sacrifice, who gave himself for me. Then there was the peril of the angel. The danger of the angel. It was going to be an indiscriminate judgment. It was going to fall upon the rich in the land and upon the poor. It would fall upon the young 
particularly the firstborn. But it wouldn't matter whether or not they were born to the palace or they were born to a pauper's home. It was going to go right through the land and none would escape. It was an indiscriminate judgment. No possibility of escape. More than that, it was an imminent judgment. It was a judgment that was going to come very quickly. There was no time to delay. I hope, I hope we all know that there's no possibility of escape as far as the righteous judgment of God is concerned. I often think about that message that the Apostle Paul preached in Athens at a place called Mars Hill just there as he would have been, as he looked around, he would have seen all of the idols' temples and, and, and as he preached there in Athens that day, he said, you know, God, who, who has been very patient until now, who has been very long-suffering until now. He now commands all men everywhere to repent because he has appointed the day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he has ordained, speaking about the Lord Jesus. And he says he's given assurance of this to all of us because he has raised him from the dead. I love to preach the resurrection of the Lord Jesus because without the resurrection there is no gospel. And I often say because the Lord Jesus has been raised from the dead, you can trust him. You can trust him. You can trust someone who has conquered our greatest enemy. Someone who's able to defeat death. He's worthy of your trust. You can trust him because he's risen from the dead. Aye, but more than that, because he's risen from the dead, you must trust him. Why? Because you can't escape the judgment of someone who himself has been raised from the dead. The Bible tells us that the day is coming when even though the heavens and earth will flee from before his face, the dead, small and great, will not escape. They will stand before God. And my dear friends, this evening, whether young or old, you remember, there is no possibility of escaping the judgment of God. And there is no time to delay. For you don't know. You don't know. And I don't know that this very night any one of us might be in the presence of God as our Savior or in the fires of hell with only the dreadful prospect of meeting Christ as our righteous judge. That's a dreadful thing to think about, isn't it? But you see, the blood, I love this, the blood of that little lamb was gathered in a basin. And Moses said, now just go out and, he didn't quite say just take the first thing that comes to hand, but the hyssop would have been everywhere to hand. He just said, go and take a little bunch of hyssop and take the bunch of hyssop, just that little plant and dip it into the blood and use that to apply the blood to the doorposts. Because God has said, now you listen carefully, God has said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. What does that mean? I used to think when I was a youngster that that meant that God would go along and it would be one, two, three, four, oh, there's a house with the blood, so I'll jump over that one, the, 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 jump over that one. I'll... No, that's not the sense in which God is passing over. 
God is not passing over and skipping this house because there's blood applied. No, he's, he's hovering over to protect. He said, I will see the blood when I see the blood. I will pass over you. I will ensure that the angel will not come in, the destroying angel will not touch those who are inside this household because I will see the blood and I personally will pass over. I will hover over you. The blood meant that there was protection outside. I more than that, the blood meant that there was peace inside. Because everyone that was inside that household, they could have absolute confidence. I'll never, ever perish because the blood has been applied. And God has promised that when he sees the blood, he will pass over me. I love to think about the protection outside. And I love just to enjoy. I'm still enjoying it. I'm enjoying the peace inside because I know that God says, when I see the blood. I will pass over you. You'll understand what I mean when I say the blood in the basin would save no one. You understand what I mean when I say that, don't you? The blood in the basin would save no one. But the blood on the doorposts would save everyone. You understand the difference? The difference was the blood had to be applied. And you need to apply the blood this evening if you're to be saved. What do you mean? Well, just as the blood in the basin would save no one, your knowledge of the death of Christ in your head will never save you. Your reading of the Bible, even your prayers, will never save you. You need to make it your own. And that was really an act of faith, wasn't it? When they took the hyssop, dipped it in the blood, and painted that blood upon the door. That was just an act of faith. I'm simply going to take God at his word. They might have been able to say, you know what? I have no idea how this is going to work. I have no idea how it's going to work. God says, this is what I must do. And because God says, this is what I must do, this is what I'm going to do. Because my faith is in the God who says, paint the blood on the door. I know a little bit more about the work of the cross now than I did the night that I got saved. That I got saved. But I'm glad to tell you, I didn't really need to know very much the night that I got saved. I didn't need to be able to understand how will God justify me? How will God reconcile me? How will God cleanse me? How will he sanctify me? How is he going to glorify? I didn't need to understand all of that. All I needed to understand was this. Whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And I'm glad in a moment, just as a little boy of 10 years of age, maybe I'll tell you the story some night, it won't take very long, but as a little boy of 10 years of age, I said, if that is good enough for God, it'll do for me. And I trusted Christ. And I'm still rejoicing in that. For God says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Would that be good enough for you tonight? Never worry about trying to figure it out and rationalize it and understand and work it all. Just God says, I need to put my trust in Christ. And although I don't really understand it all right now, 
I'm just going to do what he says. The blood. The blood will give me peace within as it gives me protection and assurance without. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. Yes, to apply the blood of the Lamb is simply to trust the finished work of Christ on the cross. Instantly, this brings both peace within and protection without. Have you followed Christ's command? Are your sins forgiven by the blood of the Lamb? If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by believers in Christ who are meeting at various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday as well as other meetings such as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken and a very warm welcome awaits you. If you've been challenged by today's message and would like to know more about the truth of the gospel or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, take a look at our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the gathering center nearest to you. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that Christ alone is the anchor for the soul.